Welcome everyone to episode 273 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and we are now a week into the 2019-2020 season. So we are going to survey the landscape, take stock of the top surprises and disappointments from the first week and see how much stock we should put into them. A reminder before we get started that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. We're a week into the season now, which, uh, plug, 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 I wrote something about the rookies and their week one in the NBA um, over at Forbes. It's it's interesting because now we're entering that that period where teams are really trying to figure themselves out. Like they've come mm-hmm. in, they've either dis- been slightly disappointing or they've achieved a little bit more than they maybe internally believed they would. Right. So now it becomes like a lot of averages t- type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, we're not going to overreact much like we did our episode with Chris Herring on Friday. It's still such a small sample size that we're not going to overreact to any team either getting off to a hot start or a slow start or any players getting off to a hot start and a slow start. But like what's there's... the fun in that? <laughs> well, I we'll, we'll, we're going to do a hot take episode at some point soon, but like... Let's get a slightly bigger sample size before we start decrying the downfall of the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings and all that stuff. Oh, so um, you're telling me Aaron Gordon is not going to continue averaging seven points a game on 29% shooting? Well, that he might until they trade him. <laughs> uh, but we will, you know, we do have regular season basketball to analyze now. So as much as we're not going to overreact, we are just going to react. That's, you know, that's what we have to do given the sample size available to us. So more, let's start on the good side first with the, the pleasant surprises before we go into the not-so-pleasant surprises, also known as disappointments. Um, so who's caught your eye in a good way this first week? Well, I mean, the Minnesota Timberwolves, i got to give credit. They're 3-0. and uh, yeah. I, I did not think that a team with Andrew Wiggins taking that many shots would be 3-0, and but to his credit... <laughs> You know, he single-handedly won them a game against Miami by knocking down, what was it, three or four triples late. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, being a, a a steady hand, which is not something you usually associate him with, but, like, he was a crunch time player. But at the same time, like, obviously the, the, the main cause of this result is Carl Anthony Towns has yeah. basically just been allowed to do whatever the hell he wants to do. And that seems very exciting. Like he's doing all types of stuff that we've never seen before. Like, like you know, dribbling seventeen times and then stepping back for a three. Like he's mm-hmm. a seven. Fo- Does he know that he's a seven footer? Have, has right. anyone told him? Right. Yeah, he's like doing his best James Harden impersonation, which is amazing because he could actually do it. He can. <laughs> yeah, unlike Harden this year. Yeah. Right. 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 He's actually just replaced Harden as being able to do that but yeah I mean he's averaging 32 points 13.3 rebounds five assists three steals two blocks like if he keeps up that those numbers he's going to be in the MVP race I oh yeah don't oh, yeah. think he's going to maintain that type of production but I don't think it's far off from what he's going to keep doing right no I agree with that 
And, and you know, the, the team that's surprised me just a little bit more, the Dallas Mavericks, because yep. they were one coaching challenge away from being undefeated. I, yeah. I watched that game against Portland where the coaching challenge came down late with the, you know, phantom foul um, mm-hmm. on – or it actually was a foul um, on, on uh, I think it was, oh, God, I watched the game. Was That was Dame, right? Um, was Dame I didn't even was... see that game. So I oh, okay. Yeah. But ultimately, it ended up being, you know, a, a toss-up at half court and um, like a jump ball and everything just kind of went Portland's way and Dallas fans afterwards were very, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but Dallas in general have just played so well together. Like their their percentages haven't been great, mm-hmm. but it really doesn't matter. Like there is a cohesiveness, and you know we, we talked about Dallas. You weren't all that high on them, and I totally understood why because after Luca and Porzingis, there's really a significant drop off. But mm-hmm. it almost seems like just having those two guys has made like the hierarchy just that much more streamlined like you know who the top two options are and everyone else falls in line it seems very streamlined to me yeah and i mean look at you know we're recording this on wednesday so we're you know look at the game last night against the nuggets where Mm -hmm. they didn't have a single guy score more than 14 points but they still beat the freaking nuggets in denver because they had nine guys in double digits like i that you're right i was lukewarm you know the mavericks were getting some like oh yeah maybe they can make the playoffs buzz ahead of the season and i i wasn't there with them because i yeah i you know we discussed about it in the season previews i just was skeptical of their depth beyond kp and luca i mean i like some of their guys individually dwight powell seth curry maxi kleba i like these guys delon Wright, but I, i just didn't necessarily think they're going to have that consistent third option. Maybe they don't need to. Maybe they're just going to have a bunch of like you're not you don't know where it's coming from, but they're going to have enough scoring off the bench and in, from their supporting cast to to you know keep Porzingis and Doncic afloat. Also, I mean, the combination of Doncic and Porzingis, like on paper, you knew it was going to work well. Just right. in terms of their skill sets, they were a very good fit together, much like LeBron and Anthony Davis, as we've seen in L.A. I think it's worked possibly even better than we could have expected, especially with KP coming off the ACL tear, you know, shaking off 20 months of rust. He looks really good already. He's picked up exactly where he left off. Yeah. I, yeah. Even statistically, like when, when, he, got, when he got injured... He was averaging 22.7 points a night for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Right now in Dallas, he's averaging 22.3. Huh. I go. mean, and he's becoming way more of a playmaker. Yeah. I, I think just having that time off and maybe just watching games and watching film and, and just growing both as a person and as a player, I think maybe he realized, oh, there's I can do more than just being like a scorer and shot blocker. I can mm-hmm. be a playmaker. I can initiate the offense. I can do this and this and that. And also, he's leaned into his three-point shot a lot more so far. Again, granted, small sample size alert, but he's taking seven and a half threes a game right now. And when he was in New York, I remember you and I, we used to talk about, maybe you should just take more threes as well. Right. Right. And now he is, and he's even taking more free throws as well. He's becoming like one of those analytics darlings. Mm-hmm. I like it. I do too. And I, I mean, we, we said coming into the season, you know, these guys are both the best teammates they've ever played with together in the NBA. Yes. So 
Luca is helping Kristaps. Kristaps is helping Luca, vice versa. We've seen it with Luca too. Like he he hasn't missed a beat. I mean, as you said, small sample size, but you know, mm. twenty five points, almost nine rebounds, almost seven assists a game. He's taking nearly nine threes a game. Yeah, like he's not shooting well. He's only hit. He's ten of thirty five overall, so twenty eight point six percent. But if he's empowered to continue doing that. You know, I again, I I said coming into the season for the Mavericks, sure, it's great if they make the playoffs. I don't think it's going to happen, and I, you know, it's early. Who knows? But we just need to make sure they're making strides with the Luca KP core. If they're empowering Luca to take nine threes a game, that's great. I don't care how he how well he shoots this season. I will in future years, but not this season. Just let the guy develop his shot making on the fly, because I think just. That experience against live ball opponents is the only way he's going to get significantly better. You can practice all you want in an open gym. We've seen, you know, how many centers have we seen unguarded in a gym, knocked down three after three after three, and then when it yeah. comes to game time, nothing happens. Luca, right. get him the reps now so when you're ready to actually contend, because you have, you know, Kristaps on a five-year deal now, you have Luca, who's only entering the second year of his rookie scale deal. You're going to have him for the next eight years. Like your window is wide open. You're not anywhere close to your window if you're the Mavericks yet. These guys are still super young, so let these guys figure it out. Just develop them together, and then let's see what happens in a couple of years because they have two foundational pieces now. Mm. Also, in regards to Luca shooting, I mentioned this on Twitter uh, earlier. I think either today or or yesterday. Uh, basically, I, I think it, there is going to come a time where the threes that he takes are just going to be so you know so much better because like the degree of difficulty he takes his threes with now are so high. Like the step backs, the coming off like the dribble handoff situation where he actually like he gets the pass from someone like the handoff and then he has to take like two power dribbles essentially essentially because the defense are just so guardly tight it's tightly guarding him and it ends up being like again a pull-up more or less like he doesn't get a whole lot of those standstill shots Mm -hmm. and when he does it's like five feet away from the actual three-point line and he's like oh okay this is the only open shot i'm gonna get over the next quarter i'm gonna launch it so it, it to me it seems like if he can find normal shots, he's going to be one of those like truly knockdown shooters, like forty plus percent. Mm-hmm. He's and if you notice, like his misses, his misses aren't bad. Like no. he, very rarely do we see him like put pull up like for an air ball, all ball or something. Like it's it's online most of the time, and it's like he, he can be fading away. He can be in a very difficult spot, like position wise. And is still right on the actual rim. Like that mm-hmm. takes skill. Yeah, for sure. I, I, it's just I I'm very envious of Mavericks fans because you can see the foundation of something special growing. Yeah, and I don't know. We'll see what happens for the rest of the season. I don't know if they're going to be able to sustain this kind of start. But I clearly underrated them going into the season based on what we've seen so far. And I, you know, knock on wood. Luca and Kristaps will still stay healthy all season, and we'll get to see them work their magic for 78 more games and then some. That would be good. I would love to see them in the playoffs. Luca in a playoff setting? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we thought Jamal Murray was fun last year in the playoffs, can you imagine mm-hmm. Luca? 
I mean, look, here's the thing. Luca has won championships. Like, we rarely discuss this. Right. So if he gets into the playoffs, like people, you, you know, the the media narrative would be, oh, yeah. well, he hasn't played in the playoffs yet, so he he'll, he'll have to adjust. Like, mm, no, that's, <laughs> right. that's right. not the way it works with Luca. No. Yeah. <laughs> Inhale, good. Wouldn't that smell better with farm rich mozzarella sticks in front of you? Yes, find Farm Rich in the freezer aisle and enjoy. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's switch that board. Because we were talking about Luca, we should just mention the other Rookie of the Year contender from last year, the runner-up, Trey Young, who, first of all, prayers up. He suffered the ankle injury Tuesday night. It sounds like it's not too bad. I yep. think I saw a report that he might miss, like, two weeks, which, you know, all things considered, is a somewhat lucky break. At least it's not, like, a major season-ending injury, anything like that. Karis LeVert last year, none of that. So that's great. Yeah. Uh Holy hell, man. Trey mm-hmm. Young, like, we're talking about Luca got better from year one to year two. Trey Young also took a big leap from year one to year two. His per game stats right now are somewhat skewed because he left so early against Miami. But here's what he did in the first three games against Detroit, Orlando, and Philly. Keep in mind, Orlando and Philly are two of the best defensive teams in the league so far. 34 points on 51.5% shooting. Nine assists, six rebounds, four point three threes. He he just he looks. I mean, he was making strides even last year. You know, he started right. inefficiently by the end of the year, especially after the All Star break. Kid caught on fire. He's clearly built upon that this year, and he just looks even more in control of the entire Hawks offense that you know compared to last year, especially early in the year, like. They hung 40 on the Sixers in the first quarter on Monday. And then the Sixers just basically had to change their defensive scheme on the fly. And were like, we need to smother Trey Young at all costs. Like, we'll let other guys beat us. But we need to start hounding him from the second he crosses the half-court line. Because he is just so freaking sneaky. Like, slithering around screens. And then he's just, his passing vision is phenomenal. Like, Mm -hmm. every time you think you have him beat... He slips a pass into John Collins, and John Collins either dunks or pulls up for a mid-range two, and you know more often than not will hit it. So we're talking about you know the the Mavericks have something promising to build on. Look, the Hawks are two and two; they're probably going to fall down the standings a little bit because we saw after Luca left uh, Tuesday night, the Miami Heat just basically had their way with them. So yes, I do not have high hopes for the Hawks sans Trey Young for the next couple weeks. Play Jabari at point guard. Oh, God. Cam Reddish at point guard. Mm, I I would wager that Jabari Parker would actually make a better point guard at this point. Cam I, Reddish has I been... I agree. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. atrocious uh, yeah. offensively. I, I will say Reddish has had nice moments defensively. He also yeah. had that huge dunk the other night. 
Um, but in terms of like half court offense and just getting stuff done <laughs> scoring wise, like he's shooting twenty one point nine percent from the field. He he came up with a steal in the Sixers game late. Like Ben Simmons was inbounding, tried to throw it across the entire court. Cam Reddish stole it, drove down, and immediately turned it over. It was just like oh, that's fantastic. It was the full Cam Reddish experience in about twenty seconds. He's zero for fourteen from three this year. <laughs> that will get better. I yeah. I would have to hope, but in general, I mean. If we're talking about Luka and KP giving the Mavericks a ridiculous foundation, mm. Trey Young and John Collins give the Hawks a really, really promising foundation to build upon. And I am super high on this team long term. Unfortunately, I think you know they're probably one year away from legitimate playoff contention, but they're going to be frisky this year. Like They gave the Sixers all they could handle. Um, they're a good team. Yeah, they, they, I'm, I'm not with you, though. I think they could consent for a playoff spot this year. It, it's possible, if only because all the other teams that we thought would be in contention for the eighth seed are farting it away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, the look, the Orlando Magic right now, they're shooting 38.7% from the field as a team. <laughs> 26% from downtown as uh. a team. So... Yeah, like you can probably if they don't get considerably better like right now. Yeah. That's probably a team that was in the playoffs last year that is looking at just not repeating that success. They they do have the league's worst offensive rating right now, but yeah. they are second in defensive rating. So I think that's going to buoy them through any offensive struggles, but you're right, definitely some kinks to work out for Orlando. We will we'll save <laughs> at least one of the other teams for the disappointments section a couple others actually uh that we thought would be in the mix for that eight seed so yeah i mean right now the hawks are the six seed but Mm. i think the the trade injury is gonna bump them down a few pegs but like realistically 35 to 38 wins is within this team's reach this season which is phenomenal considering you know they've really only started this rebuild last year yeah, yeah, that's fair to say. Like, they're they're making some very quick progress, and I am, I am envious of Hawks fans because you guys are like the you're in the what the mid twenty tens process Sixers were, and I'm jealous. I miss those days. <laughs> but but Whatever. it just it goes to show that when you get a generational talent, though, uh huh, like it it just instead of having teams that get, you know, good good players. But not, you know, franchise caliber players. It just takes yeah. so much longer for teams. And, um, of course, like alluding to Chicago here. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say the Magic. Well, the Magic as well. I mean, yeah. who, who is their generational talent? I mean, they, they hope that it's going to be Jonathan Isaac. But, right. I, I mean, I guess the possibility is still there. But but, but that's kind of the, the issue here. You know, you when you have these these all NBA caliber players, they usually show within their first year already that, hey, we are going to be on this level down the road. Like, you know, Trey Young showed it already last year. Same mm-hmm. with Luka and Dallas. And then there's like a bunch of teams where they have good players, but none of them have really taken that step up. And I think when you get that type of all-star slash all-NBA guy, it, it just expedites your entire rebuilding process. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, the, the Magic are definitely hoping Isaac is that person, maybe Markel, if he taps into his previous upside, but... Right, yeah. but so many question marks. Like, oh, what yeah. is, this is Isaac's third year, I want to say. Year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you... So, but but he'll need to sort of come out of nowhere, if you catch my drift. I mean... Yeah, I, you offensively, know, he, for sure. Well, yeah, well, offensively and also just, you know being able to show that hey i can lead a team like some of these mm-hmm. guys the guys who really become superstars like almost from day one they're like hey i'm i'm gonna take over i can do this like, yeah there is a certain level of swagger i guess i i have a hard time seeing a lot of these teams just breaking through without it and you're looking at like dallas and and atlanta there who are just owning stuff right now yeah yeah, I mean, you know, you could point to like Pascal Siakam and Giannis, of course, being the rare yeah. examples of guys who it did take a couple years for them to show that superstar upside. But like this is probably the year where it either needs to happen for Isaac or it's not going to. Right. Oh, are, are we? I didn't know. Are we really already putting Siakam in the superstar category? Like, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I am halfway in on that bandwagon if you're willing to take it that far. <laughs> yeah. But, I, I won't go full superstar yet, but we're getting closer. At yeah. least, I mean, clearly an all-star caliber player. He oh, was yeah. last year. This isn't even a hot take. but like. Oh, yeah, no, no, for sure. Like, yeah. Well, uh, no, but I, I mean, I could buy stock into that. Like, he's been so much better this year. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He he Could he win most approved player for two straight years? Is that allowed? I mean, I don't think there was a rule saying it wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> that, that would be amazing, though. That's true. Uh, also on my surprises list are the Phoenix Suns, who are far more competitive, especially given the DeAndre Ayton suspension than I expected. You know, they blow out the Kings opening night. Uh, they had a couple of, I believe, one-point losses against, it was Dallas and Utah, if I'm not mistaken. And then they're the only team to beat the Clippers so far. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, it was Denver and Utah, my bad. Um, but yeah, then they beat the Clippers one thirty to one twenty two. Ricky Rubio is giving them. You know, I'm so glad we had Gerald on for our Pacific preview to like talk us into the Suns not being a tire fire because a lot of people peg them as the worst team in the West. And you know, you know, Gerald makes you see the light of like they're not going to be the worst team. They might not make the playoffs, but having Ricky Rubio changes this team for the better. Just having competent players. Kelly Oubre Jr. taking a big jump forward, you know, they have like a competent rotation now, which is something you could not say about the Phoenix Suns for the last few years. So do I think they're going to make the playoffs this year? No, absolutely not. The West is too deep. Do I think they're better than a lot of people thought coming into the year? Do I think they could flirt with a mid 30 ceiling? Yeah, possibly. Do I think this team is still an absolute S-show internally <laughs> and could totally implode at any given point in time? Yes. That is fair. I'm not, I would never question the Suns' ability to implode. But they that, do that, have, I mean, they have a six-game stretch coming up where I think we're going to learn a lot about them. They've got, so they have Golden State tonight. They have Memphis on Saturday on the road. Then they have a six-game homestand. Against the Sixers, Miami, Brooklyn, the Lakers, Atlanta, and Boston. Now, yeah. we don't know if Trey Young is going to play in that Atlanta game, so that that might be winnable. 
but otherwise, you know, all of those other games appear pretty tough on paper. So the Sixers, I know, are in part of a four-game road stand, so maybe they'll catch them sleeping because the other three teams they're playing, I think it's like Portland, Utah, Denver. So they're all, you know, games that you get up for more than you do against the Suns. But And Aiton won't be playing, so Embiid can't get mad and hulk out on him. Uh, but all of those other games are pretty tough. So I think we'll we'll learn a lot about how seriously to take the Suns within the next few weeks. Yeah, I'm I'm not there yet. No, I'm not either. I'm not yeah. I'm not to the point where I'm like buying them entirely. But I oh think... no, I'm not even on the the wagon of them having like you know a a good start to the season necessarily. I think oh. the Clippers game was I I, I saw that one and. Uh-huh. They really, I mean, they, they did something very, very good. And they realized, hey, the Clippers don't really have, you know, an, an inside presence defensively. So right. they just attacked the damn rim all night long, and it worked. Uh, I'm actually surprised that that hasn't been talked about more in the media because it seemed like that was a uh-oh moment for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I just, I look at a team that right now is enjoying, you know, the start of a new season Ricky Rubio, right now the heart and soul of the team, which says a lot about Devin Booker, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. But I, I don't, I'm not there where I'm going, oh, there's a surprise necessarily. I, I think this is at most going to last a couple of games. I, I, I look at them just as the, the weird team that they used to be. I think when, unless you fix something internally, and especially for an organization that has no structure and has, no synergy or whatever. I just cannot fathom that they would be good. I, I mean, that's fair. I, I still question their long-term outlook and everything like that. But if you told me coming into the season, mm. their first four games are against Sacramento, Denver, the Clippers, and Utah, that right. the Phoenix Suns would come out of that 2-2, two and two, Yeah, with, with be Aiden being injured even, or not injured, yeah. suspended even. Yeah. Right, with Aiden missing three of those games, and Rubio missed one of the game too. Right. Then I would, I would tell you that Frank Kaminsky is not going to keep on averaging eight rebounds a game. <laughs> that is probably true. I'll give you and that. And I would, I would generally point out that there are a lot of statistical uh, anomalies with mm-hmm. a lot of these players. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, Seth Partnow of The Athletic had the thing yesterday. Uh, we're talking about quote-unquote Jedi defense, where it's just like teams that missed a ton of shots, open shots from three, and I know the Suns, we're on that list as being beneficiaries of some unusually cold shooting. So yeah. if that regresses to the mean, so so will the Suns. But I mean, I'm they're, intrigued. I'm, I'm, their opponents are shooting 40.7% against them. There you go. Yeah. So I, I'm intrigued to see you know, how, how these next few weeks shake out for them. Um, any other surprises on your list, Mort? Well, I mean... I guess I I, I I I don't know if I should pick them. You can sense the uncertainty in my voice here. The Brooklyn Nets are one and two. It's only three games. Like a lot of teams have played four, so it's it's really small sample size. I was just kind of surprised to see them drop that game in Memphis. But I mean, yeah. good on John Morant, who was just a beast, and Jay Crowder hitting that three. So they were one Jay Crowder three away from winning. Right. Uh, I mean, that could have swung either way. But I, I don't know. I was just kind of expecting 
for a team like Brooklyn with Kyrie, you know, supposedly in his prime and ready to take on the world and all of that, that should have been, on paper at least, an easy win, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and with Kyrie averaging 37.7 points per game to start the season. Right. Yeah, you, you would think they would be off. To... Just just a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'll, I'll give you that for sure. I, it, that was definitely... They would fall in my disappointments category, but before we shift over to them, we got to talk about one more pleasant surprise, and I think you know where I'm going. Um, Russell Westbrook! Oh, of course you are. Okay. Russell Westbrook, who is Yeah, yeah you, have, you have such high standards for, for good play. Yes? 50% from the field. Mm-hmm. 76% from the line after doing 65 that's the one I'm the most impressed with. Yeah. But, I mean, 24.3 points, 12.7 rebounds, 9.7 assists, not taking nearly as many threes, but shooting them at a much better rate, 36.4%. He just looks like he's actually bought into the Rocket system, which is a pleasant surprise, especially considering the slow start that James Harden's off to. Yeah. He's benefited greatly from James being atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, James is averaging, you know, 29.3 points, and people are looking at that going, well, that's great. Yeah, he's shooting 28% from the field, 15% right. from downtown. He He's basically living off of free throws right now. Yeah. Um, look, good on Russ for having a solid year. And if this is what it took for him to become a good player, like being traded... I don't know what that says about him. I don't know what it says about the OKC franchise. I'm not sure, but it's intriguing. I I think it just says he's surrounded by the type of teammates meant to maximize him now. Like, he's just on a team with a bunch of floor spacers compared to OKC, where they just drafted and signed a bunch of rangy wings who can't shoot. Right. Yeah, unlike OKC, who used to have this guy, Kevin Durant, who couldn't shoot at all. Well, that was one guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who may or may not have hated Russell at the time. Yeah. By the way, just, fun I, stat about Russ and Harden. Combined, yeah. they average 10.3 turnovers a game. Yeah, that's not going to change. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they have both been among the league leaders in turnovers for the past few seasons. They are both going to be uh, still. I just wanted to crow about Westbrook now before the inevitable regression happens. Yep. So... Thank I'm going to allow it. Me. I'm going to yeah. allow it. That's fine. Good. Good. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Mort, let's switch to the disappointments now. You already mentioned the Brooklyn Nets, who I very much agree. Compared to what I expected from them coming into the season, big disappointment. Uh, do you want to talk about your Chicago Bulls? I want to talk about the Indiana Pacers first. <laughs> okay, good. Let's go over there. I think we should talk about the Bulls, but I want to talk yeah. about the Pacers first because they're 0-3. Yep. And, you know, I know that Victor Oladipo is out, and mm-hmm. it's indefinitely and all of that. But, you know, that roster is 
is really good. I mean, they really stocked up on offense this summer. And, you know, yes, they sacrificed some defense by, by you know, letting Thaddeus, Wong, Thaddeus Young walk, ironically, mm-hmm. to the Bulls. Um, but, but, like, Malcolm Brockton right now is averaging 22 and almost 11 assists, which, <laughs> where's that come from? Yeah. Um, like, Sabonis is averaging t- almost 21 and 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Miles Turner is averaging 17 points a game, which, hey, I've been waiting on that for a long time. Yep. And they haven't won a game? Yeah. It's very illogical. Well, they are ranked 25th in defensive rating and 22nd in offensive rating. Yeah, so when you are not good on either side of the floor, it is often difficult to win basketball games, unfortunately. I get that. And they haven't hit a lot of threes, which you know should probably have been their calling card. I mean, right. T.J. Warren was shooting threes at a 40-43, I want to say, percent clip last year. Mm-hmm. And he's one of nine this year. Sabonis, who I thought would take more threes, is only taking three. Um, you know, there, there isn't a lot of three-point shooting right now. But th- that's also worrisome because they actually have a lot of guys who can launch them. So right. I'm kind of wondering why they aren't leaning into that. They're only taking 23 shots a game from outside. Yeah, That should they're... be 35. Yeah, I mean, they are dead last in the league in three-point attempts. They are 29th in three-point makes. They're 14th in three-point shooting percentage at 34.3%. But, like, yes, Miles Turner right now is their second-leading three-point shooter at 4.7 right. attempts per game, which is great. I don't want to dissuade Miles Turner from taking threes. But... You probably need more out of... I mean, Brogdon's taking 5.3. Warren's only taking three. I think he's, he's just ice cold right now. Yeah. One of nine from three. That's going to get better. So, mm-hmm. you know, that will help. Uh, they also, you know, they lost on the road to Detroit by two points. Like, th- neither Detroit loss is necessarily bad. The, the concerning one is losing to Cleveland. Yes. That was a weird one. Yeah. So, you know, we've got a battle of disappointments tonight coming up with Brooklyn versus Indiana. Someone has to win, so that's something. <laughs> um, the schedule is very kind to them, I will say that, because they after Brooklyn, they get Cleveland, Chicago, Charlotte, Washington, mm. Detroit, Orlando, OKC. So you're right, we don't know when Oladipo's coming back. I can't imagine it's any time in the next, like, two weeks, but... That affords them the opportunity to fatten up a little bit against a relatively weak slate of competition, hopefully get the season back on the right track so when Oladipo comes back, they hit the ground running. But you're right. I mean, they leaned into offense this summer with all of their signings and haven't really gotten it. I mean, Jeremy Lamb's only played one game, so that is something to consider as well. That was one of their big signings. So, like, they're still just a somewhat top-heavy team, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just one of those weird curiosities. And again, small sample size. They could right. easily be, <laughs> you know, 15 and 7 at some point. Yeah. Oh, for I mean, especially given that, that schedule coming up, I, I right. would not surprise me if in two weeks we're talking about a team that's hovering right around 500. Yeah. So, so let's talk about a team who's had a very, very um, positive schedule and who's completely crapped the bed. <laughs> Yeah, who would that be? That would be the Bulls, Brian. Yeah. 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 Um, they had big leads in the opening game against uh, the Charlotte Hornets. 
but just basically decided to not guard anyone on th- <laughs> at the three-point line. Like, here, here's something amazing. Like, P.J. Washington, in his NBA debut, makes an NBA record seven threes and scores 27 points. That's a rookie in his first game. Yeah. Like, and it wasn't even like the Hornets were creating like by themselves high percentage shots it was just the bulls like looking around oh oh we have to ro- rotate <laughs> like right. what is that <laughs> it was open shot against open shot and everyone was like well okay well that that's not going to continue because this was like high school defense and lo and behold so far it has most certainly continued um they lost a game against the, the Knicks the other night yeah. they were up i think 98 to 90 with you correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was a minute and thirty-three left in the game, up eight, and they somehow managed to just completely, yeah, not guard anyone. Bobby Portis had, has, you know, a ton of open corner threes, and it <laughs> was just Portis a nightmare for Yeah, yeah, revenge game. I they've they've been cold. I mean, Laurie Markin is shooting eighteen and a half percent from outside, which. Yeah. That's not going to continue, but the the worrying thing for me is outside of the defense, which is has been atrocious. Right. It's Otto Porter Jr. and he looks injured. He looks mm. very injured, and yet he's playing. It's he's not moving all that well. Um, he's averaging only seven points a game. Like he's not getting proper lift on his jump shot. He looks slow. There's there's something going on. There are a couple rumors about his hip, and oh. in which case I'm like. Then why are you playing him? Like, yeah, well, I, that, they don't have any wings. That's, right, that's the problem. Right. Um, but the ro- like Jim Boylan's rotations are also weird. I this Bulls team is is, I thought they would be significantly better, and so far it's been just bad all around. The, yeah. like, most of their dis- internal decisions just don't make sense. I I'm. Happy to continue to see the floor here, but I will point out two positives for the Bulls: Kobe White, Wendell Carter yeah. Jr. Well, and and to be to be fair, like Wendell Carter is also, in my opinion, the guy who has the biggest chance of being the best player on this team. Um, right. Unfortunately, it seems like he's going to miss tonight's game because <laughs> because he woke up and his eyes are swollen. So there you go. And if you're out there looking for hotel rooms in new york that's probably not the best <laughs> he idea. definitely got pink eye which is yeah. great the, and the thing about carter is he's just picked up so many nagging injuries and now that you throw in an eye infection it's just it's kind of glorious at this point it's just fun but right. like kobe, kobe white you're right he's been he's been doing well he's been struggling over the past two games but like he opened the season very hot like he's a guy who can just create his own shot and mm. I have this sneaky suspicion that they're going to be grooming him to be Sack's replacement down the line. Ooh. Yeah. Because they are very anti, like, wanting to call him a point guard or mm-hmm. a shooting guard. Like, they don't want to positionalize him. They're and I think that's a basketball player. Yeah. No, no, no. It's worse than that. They call him a baller. That's the oh, Orleans. God. Yeah. <laughs> He's a baller. That's the term. No. Um, oh, yeah. But he he said, you know, he's six five. People kind of forget about that when people you know, talk about him. They kind of talk about him as if he's like a six two like shooter. Like he's six uh-huh. five and he's got some body mass on him. He could play the two full time in the league, and I I have a feeling that's that's the direction they want to go in. Interesting. 
Well, I, there's still a lot of time for the Bulls to turn this thing around. I'm not. They can get better. They just need to fix their rotations and then yeah. and, and both rotations, like their defensive rotations and their substitution ro- like rotations. Like, yeah, it's right now. It's all bad. Yeah, I mean they have Cleveland tonight, so that's a on, loss. The, on paper, it should be an easy win, but you I could have promise said, you it's a loss. Right, you could have said the same thing about the Hornets and the Knicks. So there's that. They do have the struggling Pacers coming up. They have the Hawks potentially without Trey Young. Another game against the Knicks. That's so. probably also a loss because this <laughs> this is what they do. They play down to the level of competition. Well, after that, they've got two against Milwaukee, a Brooklyn, Miami, Portland. Yeah, I'm going State, to the Portland. I'm going to the Milwaukee one, so it's going to be so much fun going to the United Center when they're like one and nine. <laughs> at, at least you'll get to move down from you know from the 300 level because no one will be at the game. Oh, that's a good point. You know what, Bulls? Just be as bad as possible, and then when you reach game 14 of the season and you're 113, just don't show up, fans. Yeah. Then I can go down on the lower levels with my son, who is still, for some reason, very high on this team. <laughs> I liked, I really, I, you know, I saw you the other day said you were going to watch the game with him, the Raptors game with him. And I, you need to just warn me if you're planning to do that, because I know you tend to not want to know what happened. But right. like, if I could save you guys two hours. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The thing is, I just, I can't, I can't watch a game that I know the results of. I just mentally check out. Right. And he he just, he wanted so badly to watch that game. So I was picking him up after school and we were planning on, you know, going home, having some tea and watching the Bulls game. And like an hour into it, we're just sitting there and like looking at each other going, oh my God, this is, this is, this is awful. This is not even good basketball. Right. Just so next time, just ask me, is it worth my time? And I'll tell you yes or no. And then yeah. if I say no, just go to the next game. That is true. That yeah. is true. <laughs> Let's go to a few teams in the West for some disappointments. Mm-hmm. The Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Look, we knew it was going to be. This is not the same Warriors team from years past. It was Kevin mm-hmm. Durant, Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala, and free agency. Clay Thompson is out with a torn ACL. They're integrating a bunch of new players. Willie Cauley-Stein is out. Kevon Looney is now out with a neuropathic condition, which sounds very ominous. So they get blown out in their first two games. Draymond Green is very blunt about the state of the team, and we'll leave it at that. Mm -hmm. They win Monday night against the Pelicans, who were missing Zion. Drew Holiday and Derek Favors. So, Another disappointment. Yeah. Yes, we'll hit we'll hit the Pelicans in a second. So I, I don't want to call that like a get right win necessarily. I mean they were up huge. It was it finished as one thirty four to one twenty three, but they were up like twenty five points in the fourth quarter. So right. they righted the ship for now. Steve Kerr moved Draymond to the five, which is always like the break glass in case of emergency move. Right. Which you would think he can't stick with for a long stretch during the regular season, but until one of Looney or Willie Cauley-Stein come back, he might not have a choice because otherwise it's basically like Omari Spellman, Eric Paschal, or Marquise Chris are your other front court options. So the Warriors, you know, I picked them to make the playoffs coming into the year, and I am having deep regrets about that right now. 
I am too. But I'm also kind of puzzled by Steve Kerr because, you know, in terms of rotations, he had a lineup against OKC. And I realized that OKC, you know, were just giving the Warriors the business. But I, I just don't think that you have a lineup in there of. So I thought his name was Pascal. It's Pascal? Eric um, Pascal? I, I don't. I think it's All Pascal. Right. I just. All right. But Pascal, I'm going to call him Pascal until I hear something differently because I've heard Pascal on some of the broadcasts. Okay. Um, yeah. Like uh, Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole, Omari Spellman, and I I don't remember like the last two. Maybe it could have been Marquise Chris or and Jacob Evans. Yeah, Jacob Evans was one of them. Mm-hmm. But like, like that's just not the way you go about it. Like you need to have one of Steph and or Russell. Russell at that point, I think, was just done. But, mm. um, but or, or Draymond in there at all times. Like mm-hmm. you need to stagger a little bit. I just I've seen him just take a little bit too much talent off the court, and I'm wondering if that's him sacrificing wins in order to further the development of his bench. Which, if so, fine, I guess, but it's gonna come at a pretty big cost. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, the kumbaya Kerr moniker uh, mm-hmm. got stuck to him because he would do this throughout a lot of the regular season, even with, you know, the Hamptons Five or whatever the death lineup. All of those guys, when he had that much talent, he would still try to go ten, eleven deep into the bench to test out which guys worked best with which guys and you know see who could hold their own once you get to the playoffs you're right i mean we've been saying this for months now it's just their margin of error is so much slimmer because they just don't have like they still have steph who is phenomenal Mm. they still have d'angelo russell i think you're totally right that one of those guys needs to be on the floor at all times because you just need someone to be able to create the shot for themselves and others but other than that, it, like, they are just so top heavy until Clay comes back. That you know, I'm worried, and I'm worried about their defense in particular. They they lost a ton defensively. They are currently have the worst defensive rating in the league. This is a team that was routinely among the best defenders over the past few years. But losing KD, losing Iggy, losing Livingston, and with Thompson sidelined, those are four great defenders, all of whom are now either playing elsewhere or retired. Are you telling me that it's not a good thing if you allow 128 points per game on 87.3 shot attempts? Because that is what opponents are shooting right now. They are averaging 100. Listen to that number again. Yeah. 128 points on 87.3 shot attempts. Uh, Doesn't seem ideal, no. That's like KD, PKD efficiency. Yeah. Wow, that's that's wild. Yeah, man. I, I, the only team allowing more points will hit momentarily is the Pelicans on 98.5 shot attempts per game. Yeah. So more than t- almost 11 more shots per game for 0.3 more points. The Warriors' uh, oppo- opponent effective field goal percentage, 63.4. Now, I mean, a lot of this is opponents have been really good from three. They're shooting 43.2% from three against the Warriors this year, which this could be the ultimate small sample size. Like, maybe they're just opponents have been unsustainably hot from three 
and once they cool off, the Warriors' defense isn't as bad as we think. Or maybe the Warriors' defense is allowing teams to shoot well from three because they don't have the perimeter defenders that they have had in years past. It's like the chicken or the egg with <laughs> who is the result of the terrible defense. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to go with the latter. Not that I expect that they're going to allow an effective field goal percentage of 63. Right. But, I mean, they're not going to be good. No. No, it doesn't seem that way. So I'm still not totally off on them making the playoffs, but I'm feeling far worse about it than I did a week ago. Mm. Yep, me too. I I mean, look, I had Curry as my MVP. You need to win games to win the MVP. Right. Well, you know, the other team or one of the other teams that was in that conversation for the eighth seed was the Pelicans. We knew once Zion suffered the knee injury and is going to be out for six to eight weeks, that probably knocks him out of the playoff race. But still, we look, you know, look at that team. It's still very deep. Uh, they were competitive against the Raptors in that season opening loss. Took them to overtime. It's only gone downhill since. Uh, you know, they had close losses against Dallas and Houston, but the Warriors game without Drew, without Favors, without Zion, was an absolute route. It doesn't get much easier for them. They've got Denver tomorrow, then OKC, Brooklyn, Toronto again, then a game against Charlotte, Houston, LA, the Clippers, Miami, Warriors, Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Clippers, Lakers, Thunder, Thunder. Like, it, it is just an absolutely horrendous stretch for a team yeah. without Zion. Um, how worried are you about the Pelicans? Oh, they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't get this far behind in the Western Conference. Yeah. Not, I mean, I get that it's early and people are like, oh, come on, Mort. It's a small sample size. It's only four games. Yeah, this is the Western Conference. Yeah. You are at a major disadvantage if you're down 0-4 early part in the season. Yeah. Well, especially with that stretch coming up. like Especially the- with that. I-, I will say this, though. You and I have hit something right on the money. You and I said for Brandon Ingram to unlock his game, all he needed to do was, drum roll, take more threes. Mm-hmm. He's done that, and he's averaging 27, 27 points a game. And part of what, I, I know that that's not the entire thing. Like He's been creating a lot more off the dribble as well, yep. but it's opened up his game. The fact that t- opponents now are looking for him when he's on the perimeter. Like before when he was a hesitant shooter, no one was like, oh, okay, I'm going to you know, sprint my ass out there to guard him and just close out on him. Mm-hmm. Like They were like, mm, we know you don't like to take that shot, so you know what? Go ahead, big boy. Take it. It's fine. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and now, because he's taking seven a game, and he's also hitting it, by the way, he's shooting 50%, not sustainable, but I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a very, very good first sign. You can see that defenders are actually rushing out towards him now, mm-hmm. and he's learning that oh okay i can use that to my advantage so a guy closes out hard on me i can i can put the ball on the floor i can get by him and i can get an open mid-range shot or i can continue my my path towards the basket like he it's opened up his offensive game right i yeah. like it yeah i mean it really like the lakers will have no regrets about the anthony davis trade the dude just put up a 40 20 last night and hit like 26 10. made three throws though yeah. can we can we please just i the nba has been pushing that oh 40, 40. And, and 20 narrative very very hard over the past 12 hours and i'm like yeah 26 three throws he shot seven of 17 he's relaxed 
20 points in the third quarter, 18 of which came from the free throw line. Yeah. But so, you know. You know, I mean, it it is a talent to draw that many fouls. Like, we can't... I, I get the the instinct to poo-poo it because it's like, oh, well, you know, sure, he, he scored 40, but a grand majority of those points were from the free throw line. But... No, I mean, yeah. They, I mean, they couldn't stop him. Like, that was their only way to stop him from, like... If they didn't foul him and just let him score, he still would have scored 40. Just he wouldn't have to take as many trips to the free throw line. Like the Grizzlies just had no answer for him and fouling him was their only option. Okay, fine. I'll buy that. But at the same time, it's I just don't think as a league when people wake up and and you know, you promote this whole AD had 40 and 20 and 3 quarters. Go yeah. watch this game and then people are going, "Oh, he's going to be so dope and he makes seven shots." Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, like, it was mm. not not one that you want to go back and rewatch cuz it's literally just a trip to the free throw. Right, right. Free throw so, parade. Yeah. No, but I get it. I mean, look, how many games have we had of that with Harden as well, right? Right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and beats to the same way too. It's yeah, yep. he's 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 beginning. By the way, before I forget, because I would totally forget if I didn't interrupt you and myself right now. Uh-huh. Um, Josh Hart is kind of throwing himself into, you know, a conversation of being like a very very good player, far more than before. Yeah, that's I, 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 that's what I was gonna say about you know the the Lakers don't regret the AD trade, but the Pelicans don't either. Like Ingram, no. Hart, and Lonzo even. I mean, I know Lonzo is Lonzo's again. looking good. Yeah, he's like not shooting super well, but he looks, just eye test-wise, looks better. I mean, he was never shooting well before. This is fine. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I'm just going to open up his player profile here. Like a career high from downtown, which yes, offsets definitely. because of the high volume. Yep. It offsets the raw field goal percentage. So mm-hmm. a career high in terms of like shooting efficiency. Uh, a career high by far in free throw percentage. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, he's only taken eight three throws, and the fact that he's hit seventy five percent have already skewed his career average to the point <laughs> where it's exceeded the two years prior. <laughs> That's horrible. That is horrible, and it's fantastic all at the same time. Yeah. I mean, and career high in assists. Like he's he's just doing stuff. Career high in steals. Mm-hmm. Uh, career low in turnover so far. Career high in scoring, getting out of LA and not, you know, listening to Voldemort is probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Yes, I think just being away from the distractions, both nationally and internally, seem to have helped him a ton. Right, and I mean, you know, we said as much for a long time. Like he needed to get the hell out of LA. Mm Mm-hmm. And so far, so good. I'd like yep. to see J.J. Redick get going a little bit. 31.6% from the field. Ain't going to yeah, cut that, it. That's not hot. And I also would like to see, you know, MVP candidate Drew Holiday score more than yeah. 10.5 points a game. Yeah. Not not a strong start to the MVP campaign. That, you know, I know David Griffin was just trying to, like, pump I Drew up by saying that. But, like, some I'm just Pelicans, trolling David, though. No, but, like, some Pelicans fans bought into it, which was like, okay, guys. You know what he's doing here, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> he's he doesn't mean this. He's just saying he's trying to empower Drew, which is great. Exactly what yeah. you should do. But like Drew Holiday was never go- I love Drew Holiday. He's a great player. Mm-hmm. He all-star caliber player, not MVP caliber player. Not I, I would even to be. go as far as saying all NBA kind of potential. Yeah, I, 
I, I think he's just the type of player who's like, he's miscast as a number one option. And I think you could say the same thing about Brandon Ingram, at least prior to this year. And we'll see what happens with Zion returns. But like Zion being out screws up their whole hierarchy and makes all of these guys play one level above where they should be. Again, with Brandon Ingram being the possible exception based on the leaps he's taken. Like Drew, mm. great number two option, miscast as a number one. Yeah, I would agree with that. By the way, when when Jackson Hayes had his debut the other night, Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of Pelicans fans were like, oh, well, you can't play him all that well, all that much. Like the defense isn't there, yada, yada, yada. Where I couldn't escape this feeling that if he gives you 19 points on 82% shooting, like (laughs) screw defense. Right. I'll take that. Yeah. That's what what Okafor is about too. Yeah. I mean, look, he's, he's so active. I think in and of itself, just like this sheer level of activity that he has is such an asset. I understand that, you know, he's not going to play disciplined ball because he's a 19-year-old center. I get it. Yeah. But there's still value in having those guys who can just change the flow of a game by being energetic and just rim running and <laughs> doing all sorts of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it. I, I think there's this team's got potential, but they're dead in the water right now in terms of, like, playoff hopes. Mm-hmm. But we knew that coming in. Like, J.J. Redding yeah. even admitted this on Zach Lowe's podcast over the summer, where he, he had been told uh, by management that, you know, if, if it comes down to prioritizing winning or development, they are probably going to lean one way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, we'll see what happens when Zion comes back. I still have high hopes for them. Um, Next you know, year. Over, yeah. yeah, overall. But, yes, I, I think it will be a rough start to the season that is not going to snap until Zion returns, unfortunately. Right. Do the Kings now. Come on, let's let's yeah, do the Kings. My God. Remember when we were high on the Kings? Wasn't that a fun week? That was such a good one day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did it even last a day? It didn't last a day. Oh. The second I mean, they get blown out by Phoenix on opening night, lose Marvin Bagley to a thumb injury for the next month. Oh. Then lose to Portland, Utah, and Denver. That you know, Portland and Denver losses both at home, both relatively close. Utah spanked them. There, here's what kills me about the Kings, who have De'Aaron Fox, arguably the fastest point guard in the league. Mm-hmm. They are 25th in pace right now. Yeah. What in the ever-loving hell? Like, were we just totally sleeping on? how important Dave Yeager was to this team and how important the change from Yeager to Luke Walton is. And you know what What happened? We I think we overlooked it. We overlooked the fact that a coaching change matters because the Kings do it effing every effing year. <laughs> right, that's true. But is it possible that Luke Walton just isn't a great coach? Well, I, look, I, I, I hate putting that in like an isolated type of conversation because... You can never say a coach is necessarily like bad. It depends so much on roster, like what type of organization you are, which values are in the organization already. Like let, let's take a guy like George Carl, who became a bad coach because he just wouldn't adjust to the league as it expanded into like a new era of spacing and pace and all that. But you can't argue that George Carl was like a bad coach forever. Like he was a mm-hmm. brilliant coach in the 90s. 
for Walton, I think it's just a matter of he came from a system where, uh, at least before the the Lakers gig, like in, in Golden State, where they had so many weapons. There was so much cohesiveness. Everything was kind of done for him, you know, when he took over for Kerr during Kerr's like back pains and all that. Mm-hmm. Like it was a well-oiled machine he took over. Like it wasn't because he was there and that they started playing well. Like mm-hmm. he just basically went into something that was running on autopilot and went, well, I'm not going to change the damn thing because it's working and I'm going to get a lot of praise for it. Right. And then he went to the Lakers and everything was kind of like, eh. I mean, we were optimistic about his future, but he didn't really show anything that indicated that he was going to be like this Brad Stevens type next generational type coach. Right. Right. And now he's in Sacramento and we're seeing how he's not really making use of his roster. And But also to be fair, the Kings, we had some expectations for the Kings going in. We absolutely did. But at the same time, you and I, we have also talked at length about how they wasted money this year. Like $37 mm-hmm. million dollars for Cor- Corey Joseph. Yep. Like 80 plus million for Harrison Barnes. 25 million for Trevor Ariza. Like there are a lot of weird deals that they gave out there. Like the one good deal though, I mean Dwayne Tetman, I'm not he's had a slow start to the season. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, he has, but I don't think that's going to last. He's just too good. Mm-hmm. But when you spend money the wrong way, that can absolutely swing the quality of play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean first step run more, please God Kings. You have yes. again. You have De'Aaron Fox. I I wonder. I mean, Rashawn Holmes gave them a nice spark off the bench uh, the other night. I wonder if we start to see a little bit more of him. Buddy Heels has not been shooting well from the field to start the season. If that no, he's been he's been cold. Yeah, I mean, if that bounces back, so do the Kings. Like, mm. there's I'm not out on the Kings. I you know I I think the Pelicans are like you. I think they are probably dead in the water. Kings aren't totally there yet you know they've got charlotte and new york coming up this week and they might get a break if trey young misses their game next friday but they have They're a tough close stretch. though yeah and they have they have a tough stretch coming up at the end of the month like yeah. they gotta flip this thing around pretty quickly uh if they want to keep their playoff hopes alive which is a absurd thing to be able to say in the first week of the season but welcome to the west so i, I have a question for you <clears throat> I can't tell if I'm just making up things in my head when I watch them play, right? Mm-hmm. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. He's been yeah, he, look. There's no two ways about it. He's been he's been horrible this year. Mm-hmm. He seems to be somewhat mentally checked out. I don't know if that's something I'm just telling myself because mm-hmm. I know that he isn't really happy about his own situation right there. Yeah, but he doesn't look as locked in yeah i can't i can't tell if he's mentally checked out but definitely bad um Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't surprise me i mean it wouldn't surprise me given you know he's in a contract year he wants to have his future secured but like at the same time i i think it wouldn't surprise me if like he knows they just committed all this money to harrison barnes buddy healed there probably isn't room for him long term in Sacramento. So yeah. I could see him wanting some clarity on his future. He's frustrated that the Kings, you know, that Kings offered the max they could. They were limited in how much they could offer him. They gave him the max. He 
has yet to sign it. Which is the right move because he can earn more. Right, of course. Next year's free agent class sucks. He'll be one of the best options out there. Like, I could see them dangling him after December 15th. Mm. It would make sense for both sides, I think, if you know you're not going to be able to re-sign him. Uh, But at the same time, like, he does need to put forth some effort and play well. I mean, teams know what he can do, but there's a difference between are you a mid-level exception guy or do you get, you know, somewhere close to 15 to $20 million right Right now, if you're going to shoot 27.5% from the field, you're more of a mid-level exception guy. There's still plenty of time left. I'm not saying he's going to have to settle for the MLE, but you know, he, he does need to play better. Like that's, you know, look at Andre Drummond, like Andre Drummond is the quintessential contract year guy who comes out and, puts up like 32 and 21 in his first night and then the reporters ask him like is contract your dre a thing and he's like yep sure is <laughs> you know that that's what you're supposed to do in a contract year put up huge numbers and then tank right afterward tobias harris crushing it right now in that department it's uh, it's amazing though that teams keep buying into the whole gimmick of it i you know i mean what are you supposed to do i don't no, know well, if you're an, if you're an external team yeah. Like, don't. Yeah. Like, I get that you need to re-sign your own guy and stuff like that. Right. But we have seen teams look at guys, you know, who go into a contract year and have a good year, and they go, oh, well, he can duplicate that with us. Like, right. why bait yourself into that? Yeah. And- it's the dumbest thing at all. I, I mean, again, we're also seeing it to some extent. This is internally, though, with Harrison Barnes, who's not had a good year. Right. As well. I mean, just to stick with the Kings theme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, but in regards to Bogdanovich, I I really don't know. It's just I I saw the game against Utah where they just got manhandled, and you know De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and more or less the entire starting lineup played you know, twenty twenty five minutes or something like that. It was just very very low, and it was like okay, let's pull him out, let's get the the bench in. And it seemed like Bogdanovich to me, and this is where I might be making up things. It's just like he was just upset at being one of those guys that had to just you know, deal with the aftermath of this team just getting slaughtered, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, oh, okay, uh, I have to clean this up. Yeah. That that's where I'm at, I am on the pecking order because he just looked visibly frustrated and upset. And I, I don't remember him having that type of body language before. And again, I'm, I'm not a body language expert. I'm not one of those, but sure. I've seen enough of Bogdanovich to realize that something is off. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very possible, and we have to remember that you know players are humans too. Emotions come into it, frustration with contract situations or whatever. Mood swings might be the operative phrase to steal one from Jackie McMullen. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, that's a rabbit hole that we should not go down. Correct. Yet. Yeah, all I'll say is, in defense of anyone, not necessarily Kyrie, but if this is the case with Bogdan too. Like, dude, I get it. When you have uncertainty about your future, like, right now, I don't know where I'm going to be living next June. It sucks. There's, like, a pit in my stomach from now until December, until we find out. And then when we find out, there's going to be a pit in my stomach, because then we have to go find a place to live and set up movers. And I hate moving. Like, that all sucks. So Right. And then I'm going to have a pit in my stomach, because then I'm going to get a call that one day where, oh, well, you know, they they decided to live in Baltimore. Brian, he's shot dead right now. (laughs) Right. Right. There's a non-zero chance I'm dead within a year. 
that that yeah. also leads to a pit in my stomach. So like relatedly, we are taking applications <laughs> for a new co-host. Yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, I from my own perspective, if Bogdanovich is frustrated with not knowing where he's going to be in a year, I get it. And the best you could do is just like focus on the task at hand in your day to day life, and like things are just going to work themselves out one way or the other. But, right, because if he wanted stability, he could have accepted that contract, even right. though it would be below market value. Yeah, and it's still yeah. on the table as far as we know. Right, because the deadline for him is not the deadline that passed. Right, he, he can do it up until June 30th, and I would assume yeah. the Kings will, even despite how poorly he's started the year, I doubt they would pull that offer back because they know it's still <laughs> below market value. He would be fantastic in, in Philly. Yeah. Yeah, the problem because, is they just don't have salary yeah, matching don't. pieces. No, I mean, because you guys still, that's that's one of the things that we can talk about. I mean, you guys still need that. that I know you're 3-0. and mm-hmm. You still need that guy who can create himself jump shots. Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, having watched you play for <laughs> you, yes, I've watched you, Brian Support play. <laughs> um, like, it's everything is going through Embiid. And I, we kind of knew that. We were talking about this, I mm-hmm. think, a couple weeks back. And it's working when you're up big and when you like the, you have the whole game in hand. But when it becomes close, like I don't feel as confident as before when you had Jimmy. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I expected their offense to be a work in progress. I thought the defense would come out quickly. And it's frankly been arguably better than I even expected. And I, I yes. thought they were going to be very good. But Matisse Thibault has just been so freaking good so far this year. Eight steals, four blocks in 66 yep. minutes. He's an even worse offensive player than Cameron Reddish statistically yeah. right now. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because defensively he's so outweighed. <laughs> yeah. It's just like the combination of him and Josh Richardson. It's just yeah. so wild to go from the Sixers cannot defend the point of attack at all to, oh, they now have Josh Richardson and Matisse. Mm. Like, they right. went from it's... zero to two very quickly. No, I, I'm completely in love with Philly's defense. I'm yeah. What I'm not in love with is that Ben Simmons is not, he's not doing me any favors because I predicted he would hit 53s. He hasn't even taken one yet. So, Ben, get off your ass, man. He he will. It's, they you know, they played a bunch of close games. I think he's really going to take them in garbage time. I don't yeah, think he's going to take them in close. I games. need this prediction to become true. Yeah, I, yeah. I think. What was I at? Like ten? I think. Yeah, that's... you were at ten. I was at fifty. So right mm-hmm. now, you're you're definitely winning that one. There you go. Yeah. Um, but but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about this. Um, how do you think Kristen Wood has looked? You know, I was. I'm glad you mentioned him because I I wanted to end on the most improved player candidates. So Christian mm-hmm. Wood has looked good. How about Bam Adebayo? Who's a lottery pick? Uh, a lottery pick averaging 16 and 11. Five yeah, assists, almost. That's totally expected. He's a lottery Is pick. Is it? Yeah. It wasn't expected. He was the 14th pick. 14? That's still a lottery pick. It's the latest pick in the lottery, so we can <laughs> split hairs here, but it's still a lottery pick. I'm I'm feeling very good about... I mean, neither one of us should feel good about our MIP picks, because if Brandon Ingram keeps this up, he's going to win, but... Ugh, the second overall pick should win. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's rich. Oh but, my god, I'm going to strike on that award next year. <laughs> if if Ingram wins? 
Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm just look the Heat. We should have mentioned them in the surprises. Doing you know we being should. three and one without Jimmy Butler for three of those games. Also, congratulations, Jimmy Butler. Just had a a new beautiful baby daughter. So that's awesome. Riley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Tyler Hero. Of course. Yes. Like you mentioned, Bam, who's been great. You know, Justice Winslow. I slept on this team. I'll be completely yep. honest. I was, I've not been high on the Heat. I thought that I, – I didn't – to be perfectly honest with you, I did not think Winslow's game was sustainable. I thought that was just kind of a statistical hiccup. And he's proved me wrong. And Adebayo, who you rightly you know, circled as a guy with great improvement, I mean, I knew he would be better. But this – I mean, look, he when they played the Hawks – he took a pass like he was in this in the short corner mm. of the three and he got a pass he faked took a one power dribble and pulled up and knocked it down from 17 feet mm-hmm. bam at a bio was a guy who more or less resembled like a rim running center at kentucky he mm-hmm. did not have his, this in this bag not even close like he was he was some sort of clint capella version in college and now He's taking passes in the corner, Brian, putting the ball on the floor and hitting pull-ups? Yeah. What the hell? How? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm here for it. Yeah, I am too. That is, like, what he's doing right now is spectacular. Yeah. I think if we're talking about which starts are sustainable and not, the Heat, I think, are, that's sustainable. Like, this could be... Very easily a top four team in the East yeah. fighting for home court in the first round. Yeah, no, I'm I'm eating so much crow uh, on the Heat. To in my defense though, in my defense, Kendrick Nunn. Yeah, like, don't don't tell me nope. people out there that oh I totally saw Kendrick <laughs> Nunn would be averaging 21 points after four games. Shut right. up! No, right. you didn't. Right. No one did. Not even Kendrick Nunn himself. <laughs> right, right. The hero thing you could foresee out of bio breaking out. You could see even Dragic getting back and yeah. playing better. You had a, it wasn't outside the realm of possibility. Kendrick Nunn was such a wild card. And really, I mean, the Butler being out for the first three games helped in that regard, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, well, you know, this, this Heat team's looking good. I, it is. I look forward to having getting the Sixers knocking them out in the playoffs in the second round. And one final note on the Heat, right? And and Heat fans are probably going to be a little bit annoyed. I think they look fun so much more compared to the Dwayne Wade era because yeah. look, and and it sounds so awful because Dwayne himself was a very entertaining player, but it was all about him. Whenever he had the ball, it was like you know, ten sets of eyes were or nine sets of eyes rather were just pointing it towards him. Mm-hmm. This is like a a shared type of offense, like very unselfish, focusing on a lot more on threes and versatility. Like it's just a more fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. Any other disappointments you want to hit on, Mort? Um, well, let me just go down the the, the list here. I mean, I'm slightly disappointed in Portland being two and two. But it's two and two. Like I would, I would have put them on the list had they been like one and three. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, not not really. I mean, we talked about Orlando just a little bit. I think. Um, no, no, no. Washington being one and two was kind of expected. Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. And like I, we're I, not I was... gonna. Yeah, we're we're not gonna hit on you know the Sixers being good. No surprise. The Clippers being good. No surprise. Lakers being good. No surprise. Whatever. So like, th- this is the deal with it. You know, now that the season yeah. has started, there's 30 teams going on. We're not gonna be able to hit every team every time. We will. We will do oh, our I, best to cover. I got one though. I okay. got one. Yeah. But it's a player. Okay. And I understand that he plays for a team that we looked at as the worst team in the league, the Hornets. Yeah. But I expected oh. way more out of Malik Monk. Oh, okay. I was I was going to say Devontae Graham is a pleasant surprise for them. but Malik Oh, yeah, Monk. no, no. This was just a, a negative surprise. Devontae yeah. Graham and P.J. Washington are both pleasant surprises. Also a pleasant surprise. Look, this is basically breaking news. I mean, Terry Rozier is shooting over 40% from the field. Granted, it's 40.4, but Brian, so far, he's done it. D- didn't I say we made a bet before, and I think I said he would shoot 40.4, or maybe it was 40.2. I have no idea if it, what point, whatever. I just know that you had him above 40, and I also have a beer bet with someone over here about him breaking that barrier. I said oh. under. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a skeptic. I said but so barely, barely, barely over 40, and he is proving me right. End the season yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. By the way, Dwayne Bacon, add yeah. him to the positive surprises so far. And that's that's kind of sad because he's shooting 35.8% from the field and 25% from three and 61.5% from the line. <laughs> so efficiently, like he's horrible. But I, I like the way that he moves, and he's rebounding the ball, and he's actually being aggressive and engaged offensively, which beforehand, that wasn't really in the cards for him. I think he's going to be in for a bigger year. Yeah, the bar is a little lower when you're grading Charlotte. But, hey, Charlotte's not as horrible as, you know. They, they have... Because they won a game, a right. single game against the Bulls. Yeah, correct. <laughs> They're at least, like, it. more competitive than I thought they would be. I thought they were going to yeah. get cream most nights. But well, so far they have. It was just Chicago yeah. that yeah. allowed them to hit twenty three. They were like frisky against the Clippers for a while. The Clippers didn't blow that one open until late. Yeah. But yes, that's that is a fair point. That uh, is true. So yeah, we we will try to hit as many teams as possible throughout the the season um, and like on each episode. But we obviously are not going to hit all thirty teams every time. So if we didn't talk about your team this time, congratulations. They're either good as expected. If you're a Sixers fan, Jazz fan, fan of the LA team, Spurs fan, we haven't talked about the Spurs. Jesse I would kill us. I expected to be good. Yes, I did too. But three and zero. Yeah, like we, we didn't even mention them. I mean, Dejounte Murray's good, man. Well, I I know, Brian. I, I know. I, I am. I would. I think it would be insulting if I put the Spurs as a surprise, because I knew we were just going to do the same stupid thing with them, where we thought. You know, you underrate them, and then here they are. Yeah. They're forty-five wins again. No, not a surprise. You know what? I'll 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 buy stock into that one. That's fair. Okay, yeah. so basically, we, we're telling Jesse so he doesn't hit us up in our, our mentions that we didn't bring them up because we just expected them to be good. Yeah. Okay. And that's I'm down with that. That's not even. I'm not even BSing here. Like I just really <laughs> thought they were going to. This is what the Spurs do. Yeah. Also, they played New York and Washington to start the season. Come on, they yeah, were... I I agree. I'm just saying three and zero. That's yeah. yeah. Well, they have Clippers, Warriors, and Lakers coming up, so we'll have mm-hmm. a. Well, we will talk about the Spurs one way or the other next episode for sure. Looking forward to that one. 
Until then, please follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bios to give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes and wherever else podcasts are found. On iTunes, please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I, I look forward to seeing Kawhi, who gets load managed tonight, be completely yeah. healthy so he could actually play against the Spurs. I know. Uh, kudos to the Clippers for allowing him to have his revenge game against the Spurs tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Is your cell phone bill out of control? Then this is your wake-up call. The new TrackPhone Wireless gives you unlimited talk and text starting at $20 a month, no contract, plus unlimited carryover data with active service. Yep, the new TrackPhone Wireless. Now you're in control. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.